Hey guys, welcome back to the Drunken Scholar. This is the Wars in the North series. Uh, I'm your host, Devin Clays. I got with me today Stephen Wendell here again. Hey, what's going on, guys? Where we left off last time, I believe we were at the Siege of Moscow. The Polish forces had burned the outer city, slaughtered thousands of rioters, civilians, women, children, and whatnot, as the liberation forces were closing in. And the Polish army, or the garrison, were left in a pretty desperate ordeal here. And the uh, they were completely surrounded, right? Yeah, they're completely surrounded. It's tough. Like, pretty much the Polish forces, their only hope was for the Liberation Army to help them out here. But, th dude, these boys are getting starved out. Eating rats, dogs, yeah, people. Re resorting to cannibalism, yeah, over the course of fucking, like, over a year-long siege. Things get desperate. Essentially, the relief army does come under Jan Chodkovitz, who is Lithuanian commander, who was put in charge of relieving the siege of Moscow. Okay. Right? Now, mind you, Stephen, it's, it, you know, Poland is in a very critical position here. Okay. Because although they are at war with Russia, right, their their whole liberation, because now Poland is at risk of losing Russia mm -hmm. as a whole. Which is a big deal. Yeah, because you're land. potentially looking at this fucking union. It's a lot of power. Okay. And mind you, the year is now 1612. Behind the scenes, they've been at war with Sweden for over 10 years now and a whole separate Polish-Swedish war which we haven't even covered during this time of trouble. Can I assume it's over the Baltic area, the Baltic region? Oh, of course. Yeah, all this trade. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and we're going to cover that whole deal in a whole nother episode. So they're, right at now, war, they're at war with Sweden, war with Russia, Yep. It's, and also Lithuania because it's the Commonwealth. Well, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Commonwealth, the Polish and the Lithuanians are together. Right. And But yeah. Lithuania has a, a lot. They're very powerful. The, the Duke of Lithuania at that time. The, the Grand Duchy. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. He's a very powerful man. Yeah, dude. And and we're talking... Okay, so they're at war with the Russians. They're at war with the Swedes. And then the Poles are also involved in the moldavian magnate wars which involved the, the ottoman, ottoman empire. empire exactly moldavia as well as from what i know is on the border of where the ottomans yeah, so, were pressing their advantage yeah. w w without getting too deep into it moldavia is like we'll say a puppet state isn't it like modern uh, romania or like close to it well Mo moldavia is like the the modern day country of moldova Okay. Um, but like, is it close they, to that region? They, they, they are like Romanian, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Well, like they're, they're very similar to Romanians. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so they're, they're involved in that whole war, um, which could honestly be its own series. But without without getting too deep into it, just know that they were the involved in a lot of wars. Dude, the Commonwealth is pushed to its breaking. Point. That's wild. Okay, it's involved in three fucking wars at the same time. Yeah. Jan Chodkovitz, he's put in charge of this relief army towards Moscow. Sigismund, he asks again the session for help, right? For troops, for money, ask the nobility because they have all this power. Mm -hmm. And surprisingly, 
They say, eh, we'll give you something. We're not going to give you full support. Again, I feel like this is like a common. Yeah, dude, the, the nobility. Like, they're, they're, thing with they're, them. they're down to help a little bit, but you know, it's not it's like the country. The, the country's not about to collapse. It's an offensive war. You know I guess that so, makes sense. So yeah. they, what, like they do give, they do give support. But yeah, okay. they also have three offensive. They have, yeah, well, I don't they, think they're, they're defense. Also, there's three different wars. Yeah, there's three different fucking fronts. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, regardless, Jan Chodkovitz, he, he doesn't get the numbers he wants, but they go out there regardless. And mind you, it's crucial to know at this point in history, regardless of what's going on, this is like the crux of like Polish Commonwealth power. This so they're is just like, fucking, they're the, they're the dudes. Dude, these people have not lost a war in like damn near a hundred years. Like these dudes, that's these dudes have been going hard. It's quite for impressive. Yeah, dude, this, this is like, these are like the twilight hours of their golden era. Okay. And then just go downhill after this. Dude, despite, yeah. That's a whole I'm, other thing, right? I'm, yeah, yeah. I mean, despite me bringing up the problems with the Sejim, which will continue to. to it kind of, it, but. It'll continue to pop. It goes hand in hand with what's yeah. happening with Russia. At yeah, the but. Moment. But yeah, Jan Chodkovitz, he ends up leading the relief army. Bruce, you're not paying the troops. You're not giving them food. Yeah, you're not fucking dude, taking care of them. What's going to happen? P- people start leaving on mass, dude. Yeah. yeah they're in desertions. Desert. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes a normal part of life. Yeah. And I mean, naturally, can't really blame the, the, the fucking Russian forces beat Jan Chodkovitz. Essentially, the garrison left in the Kremlin who's been just holding out this whole time, preying on this relief force to arrive. Half of them dip and the other half just fucking get beaten to death. You know what I mean? And so they end up just unconditionally surrendering to the Russians. Essentially what this causes the Russians end up securing their independence from the Polish. Okay. The Polish, they're going to lose their claim on inner Russia. They're going to lose the claim on the whole deal. However, they do still have those sieges going on. But in the chaos, the boyars take control, the liberation forces take control of Moscow. And what they decide to do is elect or make Michael Romanov the new czar. So what I've heard about what, Michael, dude. what I've heard about little Mike, dude, he has, he has some problems. He was mm-hmm. he was quite the the shy little. Uh, he didn't want any confrontation. Had some health problems. Yeah, I mean, so Michael Romanov, which I mean, y'all, y'all might remember the name, the, the Romanov family. name. Yeah, the yeah, family, yeah, the family, family name, name is big. Okay, so let's just let's just pause here for a second. Who is he? Okay, he's a he's a by all accounts just a very average man. There's nothing really special about him. He's not super intelligent he's not a great general or a statesman just has the family name he has the family bloodline he's got the family name he where, where did they his family was closely that they had blood ties to the previous dynasty where do they regime. find this guy <laughs> they ended up finding him with his mother at like this monastery or whatever so he was and, with his mom in a monastery yeah, dude, so and, a very peaceful I guy mean, Trying to get away well, from the world. I, I mean, he's a young man at this point. Okay. So, so like 15, 16. Exactly. He's like 16. 
he's a 16 year old boy who just is really not known for any specific talents. Yeah. Okay. And for all intents and purposes, this boy can just be easily manipulated by the council of nobles. Oh, so it's a, it's a prime spot for the czar. Yeah, exactly. For the nobility. at least. So that way all the nobles win. Yeah. Who fucking Ivan, the terrible spent his whole life crushing the nobles power. This is now the nobility's chance to like regain all this power. It makes a lot of sense. To yeah, be honest. exactly. It's like they're now, kind of key into the kingdom. Now, and now, now at the, on the same token, though, Michael's father ended up being kind of a badass. He was a very competent nobleman from a very prestigious and prominent family in Russia. And his father and, was kind of pulling the strings, I assume, since his yeah, son he, was he, so he, young. He pulled the strings on quite a few policies. So, it, I mean, for one, his father ended up being a patriarch after he becomes czar. So it's like, okay, you're the czar, and then your dad is like the supreme religious authority for the entire country. Yeah, so it's Which like, means he kind of calls the shots. Dude, yeah. Especially so, in that time so, period. So you have the crown and the religious sector united. That's completely, like the, that's complete the, control. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I wouldn't say complete, but. The, the nobility are still, you have to be dealt with, but it's like they're much more limited in what they can do. You if have a you lot of people that, in your corner if you have the religious sect and the name of exactly. Czar. Exactly. And, yeah. and his daddy's got that kind of charisma that can fucking bring the boys in. So it reminds table. me of the fucking uh, like uh, Game of Thrones with the dude. Yeah, when you the, got like Tommond on there, yeah, yeah kind of shit. Yeah, and I mean, so Daddy's calling all the shots, dude, and the dude, dudes are just kind of sitting there and just like kind of just like, okay, yeah. I guess we'll do that. Yeah, you can make that case, bro. It's it's quite interesting because like Michael, he ends up he approves various advisors throughout his reign, and. Some of these guys, it, it's kind of weird because every time he appoints an advisor that seems to be pro-Polish, like pro-cordial or pro-peace relations with the Polish, his dad ends up like pulling some strings and the man just gets fired and removed from office. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, the man's just removed. Like his dad was cool with the Swedes. But he just could not, they could not forgive the Polish. It was just not a thing. Although I mean, Michael I mean, didn't care either way. It makes sense it with was, what happened yeah, but during I mean, the wars and stuff. Yeah, yeah, with the time of troubles and all, bro, peace yeah. is all you want. Yeah. It is worth noting that I guess like under, under Michael's reign, who he got fucking, he ends up getting made czar in like February of 1613. Okay. Right? During this man's reign, dude, the Russian Tsardom ends up expanding its borders from like the Ural Mountains all the way to this Pacific coast. So the entire plans of the Siberian. Uh... Yeah, I mean, n- not as like the modern borders you know them today, mm-hmm. because there were like multiple conquests over the next like couple hundred years. But like they essentially made the claims like and explored all the way over there with the Russian Cossacks, right. the Russian Cossack expeditions. Overall, all you need to know about Michael, 
So like, he's he's a pretty average man. The poor bastard was cursed. I was gonna say Listen. that. I was literally about to say that. Didn't he have like some sort of like gout ridden fucking like Dude, issue? He had like a he had like an accident with a horse at a young age, and, and then uh, he never recovered. And he just got fucking bloated. Like I got yeah, bloated. They, 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 what they was call it? it? Dropsy. What what what? So all of his his body is kind of like inflated. His his legs ended up blowing up with fluids and getting swollen and there's like any anything the physicians tried just would not it just would keep coming it, back it, it, yeah it would just it would not it reminds me anything. of henry the eighth what happened to him i mean the, do, say what you will yeah but it seems more uh, serious than that though almost well, well, too cause, cause, dude because like as he got older the condition got so bad that the poor bastard couldn't even walk. So to spread. Because cause his legs were just like so swollen and so filled with fluids. Like, you couldn't, and so you couldn't tense. get all that shit out without yeah. killing him. Yeah, dude, that poor bastard probably just had to like sit on the throne, sleep on the throne, shit on the throne, get, <laughs> get wiped up on the throne. Like, I, I can only imagine. And then he also like suffered with like severe scurvy. Oh God! Which is like you would think, like pirates kind no, of deal, just... but like, like his life probably just kind of sucked on the day to day. To be honest, like very you, powerful you, you... man, so to speak, but also it sucked. Yeah, dude, you you think he's the not czar, having a good time? You'd think the czar would be in a better condition. Yeah, no, like, this guy was not a powerful man, but his father was. So I guess it kind of makes up for it, dude. Yeah, but anyway, so he he takes. He takes over. That's enough with this man, Michael, bro. So he he takes over. He's doing his thing. He he takes over in 1613. And then the war kind of continues and grows into a lull. And then in about four years, Sweden ends up being forced to make peace with Russia because... Uh, essentially like the English and the Dutch end up stepping in. That's right. Powerhouses there. Yeah, dude. Some naval trade powerhouses. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. going to get cut off if you don't fucking. Exactly, dude. Because this is the early 1600s, dude. I mean, the, the, the English are up and coming. And this is like the, the beginning so of another, the Dutch. Like, dude, this the, is the like Dutch the beginning or... of the Dutch golden age. Right yeah, here, they're, get, they're yeah. coming up as well. They're controlling a good amount of the English Channel at this point, And they're exactly. spreading into the Baltic. And and so they're trying to weigh their two cents on the matter. Sweden, they, you know, as as we called last episode, King of Sweden, Gustavus Adolphus, is trying to install his brother onto the throne of Russia with the support of the Novgorodian nobility. Right. Now, at this point, things are lulling out. Sweden, although being at war with the Russians, is also in a second war with Poland. There's so many wars going and on. And then, yeah, dude. And then they also, at this time, like d during this whole period, they also have a, their own separate war with Denmark, Norway. Dude, so it's like, dude, there's a big shit show going on up there. Yeah, dude. dude, it's mass chaos. But it's like hard to cover the Russian time of troubles. With all that as with, well. With all that as well. It needs to be separate deals we're talking about. Now, now, what Sweden's goals were coming into these peace talks here is they wanted like all that Baltic territory that Russian ha that Russia had, right? Fucking piece of shit. Okay. That's a big piece of cake. That's a lot of. That's a lot of. One hundred percent. They 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 want Estonia. They want their Livonian territories. They want that Saint Petersburg area and Ingria. 
They want some more of that Finnish land. They want the Russian ports on the north coast there to the east of Finland. Okay. I, f- I forget what they call that. The White Sea? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The yeah. White Sea ports up there. And that was like the Russian or the, the Swedish dream here was to pretty much like crush and strangle the Russians, forcing them to either go through Sweden or go overland to get Western arms and so they cut off their trade in a big cut, way. Cut off their trade and get them tariffs up. You know what I mean? To secure Swedish control in the Baltic and, you know, help out their position. Because Russia has always been a major player and they're going to remain a major thorn. Well, let's be honest side. here. Obviously, that's why I think that's why the Netherlands and the English kind of stepped in. I mean, yeah. Because you don't want one country controlling the entire region. Yeah. That's a, that's a straight monopoly. Dude, that's a rival. Yeah. That's a massive That's going to, you're going to yeah. lose a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It's a I, big threat. And so, like, a compromise ends up going about, right? And, or like, the English and the Dutch are like, okay, y'all can have some, some of it. Yeah, y'all can have some stuff, but not, y'all, y'all can't have all of the nice things. Yeah. And so, they don't get the northern, like, white seaports like they wanted. They are able to gain the Baltic Sea territories. The that's Russians. A, that's a win. Yeah, that is a dub. The Russians do have to pay war reparations. Even though, like, the Swedes are the aggressors. Now, fortunately for Russia, Sweden isn't able to exact its, like, harsh tariffs like it wanted to. So the Dutch and the British see to it that... There's competition in the region. Yeah, dude. So merchant houses are set up. Like, Russian Russian merchants are allowed to set up shop in Stockholm and all that. And Swedish merchants are allowed to set up shop in like Novgorod and Moscow and whatnot. So with that piece settled, you got to take into account that uh, Polish-Swedish war is going to be going on, dude. And so due to this, the Polish are also going to try to sue for peace. Because now they're the Polish Commonwealth, dude... They're not trying to be at war with the Russians and the Swedes. Now that the Swedes can concentrate all their forces on one front. Yeah. No, 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 no. The Polish need peace too. And so although the Polish lose a lot of these Russian gains initially, they're able to take Smolensk as well as some other like nice swathes and like the, that, that, that Belarus area, you know what I mean? And so essentially, bro, like, like Russia loses a lot of land, but now it's going to gain that like peace. It is so desperately it needed, needed for decades. So bro. does this kind of end the time of troubles or is- this, this P pe- these pieces and the ascension of Michael Romanov, ends the time of troubles. Okay. Now they're going to be on the back put back foot on this fucking, on these European politics for a little bit. Okay. Well, yeah, obviously they've lost. Yeah, dude, you're fucking, you're broke economically. A third of your population's dead and you've had like over 10 success in crises. Yeah. It's a lot of problems. Yeah. And then, I mean, but they're, they're going to be out doing their whole Siberian expeditions, but so they're still making claims at the same time. They're kind of on the back burner. They're doing things. Yeah. But they're going to be real light on European affairs for at least a little bit. Right. 
The Ru- the Russians are the Russians make are come. never they're never Dude, in the shadows for too long. Yeah, yeah. bro. No, the Russians are not going to be down and out for that one, yeah. bro. But but for the time being, the Russians are are going to be off the board, and it's going to be more about the Danes and the Swedes because what we're dealing with here at the end of this whole little period is you've got Poland after this peace deal that they make in fucking 1618 this is the like this is the maximum territorial ex- extent of the polish commonwealth they so they're just, at their height and now it's kind they, of like the almost the downfall it kind of goes they, downhill from there in a way they are at their maximum they're at their climax things will go downhill but that will not become it's going to be a while. It's going to be a while. Like, so Sigismund does some things in his reign, which we'll talk about in the next episode, trying to reel in the nobles, which, you know, w- won't go so well, unfortunately for him. But yeah, th- this is like the Polish at the top of their deal. But within like the next few decades, so we will see the beginning of the end. It seems to me but like now, a lot of peace is going on finally. The much-needed peace in that region the, is finally coming well, to... For for the Russians, yeah, the much-needed peace is going. But you've got to understand that there is still war between the Polish... And the Swedes. And the Swedes, yeah. yeah. This is only a shifting of fronts. It's just a tumultuous time. So Poland is at the crux of its power but it's like going into its twilight years. Meanwhile, this the end of this war, um, when Sweden pieces out in 1617, known this is known as like the Ingrian War. This is like what most chroniclers consider, like this is what people consider the beginning, like the official start of the Swedish Empire. And like the beginning of this great Swedish golden age under Gustavus Adolphus. All right. Question is, what's next? So next time we're going to backtrack a little bit and switch fronts, bro. Because we've been talking about the Russian time of troubles for a hot minute. Yeah. But we're going to go back to 1600 with the Polish-Swedish War. The offset of that. And this is a war that begins in 1600. But will essentially go all the way until 1629 broken up between a series of truces and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So although it's like technically three wars on their own, it's essentially one big ass war for Livonia and Estonia, the Baltic broken up by various truces and pieces. But, uh, all right. Yeah, guys. Uh, Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, guys. I'll see you next time.